Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Welcome into the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Now a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Check out this and many other great fantasy sports podcasts over at FullTimeFantasy.com. At Fulltime Fantasy on Twitter, and as always, you can follow your boys AsylumFantasySports.com at Asylum Football on the tweeters. If you want to be part of the mailbag tomorrow night, you still got time. Get them in AsylumFootball at gmail.com. This show is going to be tough, Rick. It's going to be tough. No, I don't know how you that. do a radio show when I'm not talking to you. So this is going to be a problem. I have no idea what you're talking about. The, the oh well, because I mean, you should be used to it. I, running up the score, I, I'm, I own you, and carrying on. I own you. You know, in the League of Consequence, the Caveman League, I believe Rick Briggs averages about seventy-four points a week. <laughs> yeah. And when he faces me this week, would you put up two thirty, two forty? Thing was over before the London games were over, and he just kept kicking the body and kicking the body. So we're not friends anymore. I don't want to do this show. Well, we never were, so don't flatter that's yourself. True. More, more work acquaintances, I guess. Yeah, that's it. This week's going to suck. All the bye weeks, all the injuries. This is a rough one to string a lineup. Yeah, together. I'll tell you what, folks. It's Carolina, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Tampa Bay. I'll tell you what. That's fantasy yeah. heavyweights there. And that is apparently where most of my players come from. As I looked at it, I hadn't realized how invested I was on uh, at least three of those four teams. So going to be a rough week. But let's get into last week, I guess. Unless you got something there? No, I mean, uh, we're fine. Yeah, we're just uh, – yeah, you're right. It, it's it's going to be tough. Caroline on a bye. I know I have – Quite a bit in Carolina. I have quite a bit in Cleveland, actually, with Jarvis Landry and um, boy Baker Mayfield, who you spent all <laughs> summer telling me he was Joe Montana's. I'm just I'm, I'm attacking you today. It, I'm it doesn't angry matter because I own you, so you can sit here and just <laughs> spout off your oral yeah. diarrhea, and I'll sit here with my chest puffed out, feeling pretty good. Oh, ah. You know what, Rick? I tell you what. Week six, I would have to say that one of the takeaways I have, probably more than ever, that there's more question marks in the league right now than there were in week one. I've never <sighs> struggled to pick games. I mean, this is individual players from a fantasy standpoint. Right. I don't know who half the teams are in this league yet. I mean, we're both, what, right at 500 on our picks pretty much both ways. I mean, it's... It's tough to gauge what's going on this year. Yeah, it, it's pretty rough. We're our, um, b- b- I am fifty two thirty nine and one in straight picks. Yeah, it's not good. And I'm ahead of you. Yeah, and, and that, that's just and and we're right at five hundred um, with the line, and it, it is pretty rough. It, but you know, you you pull out. I just wrote down some teams: the Rams, the Cowboys, the Eagles. Uh, the Bears, the Steelers, the Browns, the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Falcons. I mean, those are huge question marks, and there's probably other ones that I just forgot about. Yeah, I mean, some of you can explain away. I think the Steelers and the the Chargers, to a lesser degree, you know, I, I'll I'll play the injury game. I don't know why the Chargers' offense is so bad. Their defense, I can kind of understand it. Obviously, the Steelers, anybody who knows how to play football that's not named James Conner or Juju Smith-Schuster spends most of their time in the training room, and I think those two guys spend plenty of time in there. Yeah, but the Cowboys – here's what we know about the Cowboys, right? I think we actually do know who the Cowboys are. They're a 500 team. Look at those first three games. When they play crappy teams, 
they bludgeon them. Right. When they play good teams, they're zero and three against right. good football teams. I, I think that's pretty clear here. And when we get to the prediction show tomorrow, we're really going to have. Well, to me, it was a kind of a tough one because Philadelphia is in the same boat. That secondary gets shredded, right? Yeah, you know, just by just about any offense in the league, yeah, and just awful. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a weird, weird season, and and I don't care for it, so. We'll get into that. Let's get into some headlines. Talking about your Rams, Rick. The Jaguars trade Jalen Ramsey to the Rams. Good move, except for is Jalen Ramsey really worth two ones? Two ones and a four? Yeah, two ones and a four. That's right. I don't Uh, value that four as high, but two ones? Wow. No, but a four is still some gravy along with two ones. I mean, that is just – yeah, to me, I think it's it's ridiculous because – um, now they're talking about he may not play till he gets a new contract. <laughs> oh, so he's starting with them already. And so I, I don't know what's going on. Do they actually think he's going to make this huge difference? Probably going to make a nice difference in that secondary. But two ones at the 2020 and 21 first round pick. I believe so. Or was it a 22 first and a 21 fourth? I can't remember. It doesn't yeah. matter. Here's my only problem with it. Whether or not Jalen Ramsey's worth it, I never understand that. I never value draft picks as high. I love the Steelers giving up that first rounder for Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, me too. You know, most of the draft experts, you know, they value picks way higher than I do, and they're probably right. So that's fine. Let's put that in a box. But when you look at that much draft capital being given up for a guy like Jalen Ramsey, what that what that entails, what that means generally is the team believes that this is the one player they are away from going to the Super Bowl. Now, their defense hasn't been what it was last year. The secondary particularly has been bad, so I could accept that if that offense could even play football. This team in that division is not close to the Super Bowl, the playoffs, the division win, let alone the, the Super Bowl. That's where this move's surprising. They've got big problems on offense. You see, you know, as good as Jared Goff was last year and previously previous to that, how important Todd Gurley is is to this and as this offense flounders and he's still missing games and even when he's in there not playing as many snaps as you would expect this offense runs completely through him he is not 100% right Jalen Ramsey is not going to fix that Jalen Ramsey can't play the offensive line Jalen Ramsey can't help Jared Goff hit wide open receivers that's where their biggest problem is right now and so that that's where this move is odd to me yeah I agree and you know, your point about Gurley certainly well taken. They're 22nd in the league in rushing. You know, and albeit Goff hasn't looked sharp, they still are 7th in the league in passing. So, and be it that out of necessity, obviously, right. which makes him a lot less efficient than what you want to see him. But you're right, the defense is 12th overall against their pass, they're 11th. And it's, it's kind of tough when... You and you, look, you're in, you're in the middle of the pack. If you look at the Rams, twelfth overall offense in the league, twelfth overall defense, they're right there in the middle of the pack, right, right. now playing that way. Ramsey sh- certainly should help the secondary and tighten up the defense, but if they stay twenty second, twenty third, whatever it is in rushing, 
not going to matter. It's, it isn't going to matter. You're right. That that's the that was the key to that offense and to Jared Goff's success. Uh, Alvin Kamara, Rick, iffy with a high ankle sprain. You know, good news, I guess, if you're a Latavius Murray owner. Seems like most signs point to Kamara is going to play, but I don't like anybody, let alone the guy with the, a guy with the skill set of a Kamara dealing with a high ankle sprain. Every time I hear those three words, I just tighten up by cringe it's no you see it with Patrick Mahomes some of these guys can play through but they're not the same player no he's not the same player Saquon Barkley didn't play um Kamara will not be the same player Tavon Austin or Austin um Tevin Coleman did not play is Tavon Austin still in the league yeah we'll bring him of course he is that's a guy I drug around on rosters for years (laughs) and just never did anything for me well I know. He was one of your – he was uh, – oh, who was that guy that you loved to um, – running back, Chargers. Running back, Chargers. A few years back. Matthews. Ryan Matthews. That was, uh, oh, that was another one of your love, yeah. love ch- children. He had a couple decent games. <laughs> a couple decent I games. I like him. Uh, Derek, Darius Geisrick expected to be back at practice next week, still on IR. I think, how's that work? He'll be be act, two weeks after being active. I think he can come back and play. I think it's probably good news for the Redskins, for fantasy owners. He'll be ID. He had yeah. something, I think, that they don't have with Adrian Peterson. This one hurt, Rick. Will Disley out for the year again, this time with an Achilles tear. He was... I can remember, and I always like to point out my mistakes. I like to think that's what separates us from the other shows out there. I believe after he had that big week, was it two, against the Steelers, I believe. it was all right, pump the brakes. Steelers refused to cover tight ends. He still willed this lead. He kind of just kept it going. It was an important part of that Seattle offense right now. So that's a big hit to fantasy owners as soon as that tight end position is. But I think it's a big deal to the to the Seattle Seahawks as well. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean – you saw Russell Wilson leaning on on Disley a lot, and you know when you have that amount of trust. I'm not right. going to say caliber of player because, um, you know even even a, a player that doesn't really make a splash somewhere else, once he starts building a rapport and trust with a quarterback, he becomes a big deal to both players. Right. I mean, to the offense and, and the quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a huge blow to Seattle, I think. Yeah, I, I don't like it at all. Uh, Sammy Walkendrick, he's out tonight with a hamstring. He's about droppable at this point, isn't he? He's not just sittable. I think he's about droppable. After that huge week one, even in the absence of Tyreek Hill for how many weeks that he completely disappeared. How can a run, wide receiver that talented in that offense disappear? You'll never explain it to me. Never. And and I, I've never tried to. You know me. I have never bought into Sammy Watkins. That's just who he is. Right. I, I don't know what it is. To me, he's Tavon Austin all over again. I mean, <laughs> well, no, that's that's no, just me. You expect so much, <laughs> right? Yeah. When he came to the league, a versatile player, fast. And he just never lived up to it, either banged up or, like you said, he disappears for no apparent reason. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw it when he was in Buffalo so often. It just, every once in a while he'd pop up and have that big game, he'd say, finally, this that is what we can, saw in college. That you can hand, I could have handled in Buffalo. Yeah, at least there's an explanation, yeah. right? It's freaking Buffalo. Then he goes to the Rams, does right. still... Up and down, uh, yeah, up and down. Just a roller coaster. Then he comes to Kansas, all right. 
great. Then he has week one. Tyreek Hill gets hurt. Boy, Sammy is right. the man. Yeah, it's no. Nah. It. How do you disappear as the number one wide receiver in the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs offense? How can you disappear? I don't. I just don't get it. I, I have no explanations. I, I drop them. See if any. I don't know if you've got a dummy in your league. Give you a. You know, Tavon Austin for him. Go ahead and make that deal. Otherwise, just go ahead and <laughs> drop him. This is a Tavon <laughs> Austin show this week. What else we got? You mentioned Rick Saquon expected to be back so much for that uh, four to six to eight weeks. <laughs> he blows it back in three weeks. He must be the new Adrian Peterson. And then we get to the quarterback starts. I'm curious of uh, curious of your thoughts on these two moves, Rick. Uh, finally, thank God, Fitz Magic is back. Going to get the start over Josh Rosen this week against the against the Bills. What do you think of this move? Oh. I kind of it was in a conversation on Twitter, you know, about that. You know, I don't know why they're starting Ryan Fitzpatrick over Josh Rose. Josh Rosen's time as a starter has come and gone. He's done this, that, and the other. And look, this this team is a dumpster fire. The season is tanked. And whether or not with all these picks they draft a quarterback next year, Josh Rosen is much more valuable to them at 22 years old, whether they keep him or via trade, than right. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to. So why not send the veteran out there who's probably better right now, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, what's he care? He's making money. Oh, he's he's going to fling it around. He's just riding it out. <laughs> no big it deal. It must be good not to care if you throw seven picks in a game. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? A- Bench me? Been there, done yeah. that. Who cares? <laughs> Every yeah. time. But, no, it, it, to me it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Protect this investment of Josh Rosen, even though you're not heavily invested in this cat because you got him from Arizona who took the brunt of the the signing right. and the caps hit and so forth. He'll either develop or he'll be trade bait for somebody. Well, that and that's what I would love to see Josh Rosen end up in a good situation. I mean, this, this exactly. kid – has had no luck at all. So he goes, you know, to Arizona last year. As and look, he wasn't good. You know, I readily admit that. But that defense collapses around him. Right. The team's pathetic. They get the first overall pick. In comes Kyler Murley, Mur- Murley, Murley, or Kyler Murray, his brother, <laughs> and he gets sent out to Miami. Another right. bad situation. Oh, a worse situation. Now this season's going to end. He's going to be in the same situation. Miami's going to have the first overall pick. Right. They're going to draft Tua. I ship him somewhere, even as a yeah. backup on a good team somewhere. You, he just uh, here's my brilliant draft analysis. He looks like an NFL quarterback. Yeah, he's big, he's long. He just looks like he's got all the tools. Maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe he's in this purgatory where he's all now he's going to be either backup on a good team or he's going to go to another crappy team in another crappy situation. You know, he could be think in Washington the, next year. Or think something. off the top of your head. Well, no, I mean Dan Snyder likes Haskins, so yeah, he's going to it's going to yeah. be the Haskins experiment. But think off the top of your head, top of your head. Well, I tell you, if we could just speak tonight, we'd be fine. If we could speak, we should get a radio show. Denver. Be a good situation. Certainly a good possibility. Right. Um, dare I say... Tennessee. Tennessee would be a, a, be a great, a great, great spot. Cincinnati. Yeah, there, there's a possibility. Um, let's see, who else? 
The Jets are okay. Buffalo's yeah, okay. Yeah, it's kind of limited. You know, it really is. Yeah, it, it's limited. I had another one on the tip of my tongue, but I kind of lost it. I mean, you know, Phil Rivers is getting old. Yeah. Who's their backup? He kind of looks like it's done for him. Yeah, we see the end of Eli. I think we're seeing the end of Ben. Right. Yeah, Rivers is right there with him. I think we're kind of the end. Of, boy, yeah. that'd be a nice spot to land in. I mean, there's you certain value in protecting this kid, yeah. I guess is my point. Oh, yeah. Whether you keep him or not. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And finally, Rick, speaking of uh, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill getting the start over Mariota this week. I don't it does nothing for Tennessee either direction. I don't think. But it tells you how Mariota? far it tells you how far Mariota has it fallen. Really does. And we we talked about this back in July on the in the preseason shows and so forth. That 2019 we thought were going to be must. How do we put it? Make or break years to step up for both Mariota and Winston. Right. I think Winston actually has somewhat. Um, I can't say that he's taken the step that we've been describing, but Mariota is just awful. Terrible. I mean, he is awful. Granted, he doesn't have the weapons that they have in Tampa as far as wideouts go, but they certainly have a better run game and better running back. So. He just he doesn't have it. I no. mean, it just goes down as a draft buzz. And it's a shame with that defense, with that running back. If you had even a competent quarterback, this should be a playoff team. And, yeah. And it's not going to be because they can't score in the twenties. <laughs> they can't right. do it. And that goes back to like our, our prediction show in before the season started. I think I had Tennessee, I don't know, I forget what it was, like 5-11. and 11. Yeah. I just did not believe in Mariota would be taking that step. That's a playoff defense. Yeah, that, that's it's a good defense. All right, well, that's about all that's worth talking about there. So, uh, takeaways. What other takeaways you got this week? Rick? Well, I already came up with one with the uh, question marks and so forth. But I'll tell you one other one. Uh, boy, it sounded like the studio is falling yeah. apart there. Um a real quick takeaway, as of right now through week six, I think the biggest challenge in New England and the AFC is Houston. Starting to look like it. They they can play. They can play defense. They can put up points. And they just seem to be a team that's on the way up and not stagnating or with the question marks. They're just such an enigma, though. You know, they, it yeah. looks like you get that O'Brien style of defense suffocating with, with J.J. Watt, and then they'll just go on runs where the secondary takes a hiatus, and, and they're giving up 35 points a game. And, you know, and Deshaun Watson, you know, it seems like real high highs, and, you know, his lows aren't as low as a Mariota or a Winston, but – you know, it's kind of an up and down team. I think, you know, on a on a one week pace, yes, absolutely. You know, I think they could beat a New England. I don't think at this point, do you think? And it's, I guess it's hard to judge. It's coming off of two losses. Mahomes is banged up. Do you think, as constituted right now, Kansas City could go into New England and win an AFC Championship game? I'm not sure they could. That defense oh, I, is no. flat. Right Their now. defense is actually worse, right? I think that this year. I mean, that was another one of my takeaways since I were ta- doing takeaways. I mean, you know, their defense is no better and more banged up from last year. I've kind of wrote them down here so I wouldn't forget everything I wanted to say. And, and you know, Mahomes is the engine of that offense or right. that team. 
we can tell right now when he's gimped up. Yeah. Boy, I tell you what, that is not the same offense. Now, you have to assume by January, you would think this high ankle sprain would be dealt with. You would hope, but if you keep playing on you it, you keep I don't toughing know. it out, yeah. you may make it worse. It's possible. Is this defense ever going to get any better? I don't know. I, I mean, mean the, the, the bottom well, line is we got to watch that stupid Belichick in the Super Bowl again. I just want one Super Bowl without them. They can win the next three after this. Give me one year off. I, I've had about enough. I'm over it. Well, it's kind of like college, running up that's the score. True. You don't yeah. want to run up the score, stop them. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but no, I can't. I can't affect that. I just don't want to watch them. Well, anymore. sure you can. I mean, I I got to think that that Bill and Tom are silomites. So you think they'd be willing to chill out for a year? Might, if I, I mean, got to be a lot nice. nicer though. Yeah, you can't say you're sick of you, Bill. Uh, I hate them. I see. That's not going to work. Oh, well. That's that's not going to work. I don't know how else to speak, Rick. It's just what I do. <laughs> I hate to do this every week, Rick. Here's how I wrote it down. The officiating again. I know. Again. I mean, this is, this is unbelievable. It's gotten to the point where it never stops. You can't trust the integrity of the outcome of these games. And look, this isn't the political financial system, political system of a nation. This isn't that important. But I think as important of a part of the NFL is of the culture of the United States, there needs to be some integrity in this thing and in some trust in the outcome of these things. And it's being so dramatically affected. It is affecting, and it's, you know, if you believe social media, which I don't always because people only go there to bitch, right? We never right. go there to say, hey, good job. <laughs> but from big names, from players, you're seeing it. it, it Everybody's just had it, you know that that stink fest on Monday night, where just two phantom calls and just nonsense over and over again. And I'll tell you this: here's how I know it's gotten bad. I Rick did not see any of those bad calls live. I saw them in replay, not because I go to bed at seven thirty like you do, <laughs> and as such, Monday night football isn't an option. That, that's just because, not true. Because and I was watching Rick game three of the St. Louis Cardinals at the Washington Nationals in the NLCS. That's how kind of disenfranchised I've become. I didn't have anybody or any games of fantasy cog consequence in that Monday night game so I watched game three of an NLCS for two teams one team I hate and one team I don't give a crap about rather than watch this nonsense that probably doesn't mean much to anybody else I think you know me well enough Rick to know that's pretty significant and it's the only thing I can attribute it to it's just I'm tired of it it's the Lions playing the Packers on Monday night Things just happen to go that way, right, every time. So I didn't even see this stuff live because I'm so disenfranchised with the whole thing. I, I didn't want to watch the game. I watched baseball, Rick. Baseball. I gave up on baseball in the mid-90s. It's sad. It is. I, I, I Hashtag don't, I, sad. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you, but, but you're, you're sad. And I sympathize with you because you're absolutely correct it, it was brutal to watch that game and I did watch that game and it was gruesome the incompetence and that's what it is it, it is I mean I don't care about um a referee I don't know how to put it like you know you see okay a, a guy's called out of bounds 
on a catch. And you look at the replay, and he toe drags, and right, this, that, right. and that. That that's fine. But when it's not hard when you have a back judge that's back in the secondary from the get go of the play, right. and that's what his job is to watch these people. And you see a guy getting dragged down or pulled and yanked around, and it's like the flag is like glued to his right, pocket. Right. But another team where nothing happens, and the laundry comes out almost like they're all on cue. Yeah, yeah, it's it, – I mean, those, those hands to the face, they were just ridiculous. You know, yeah, just it was. Just to the naked eye in real time to look at it. What, what are you talking about? And there's a fun – I saw a still shot today, actually. I just saw it. Of They were showing, again, somebody was trying to argue it could – the second one could have been a hands to the face because right at the end they found a still photo of his pinky catching the offensive you know lineman's neck. But then you look to the right of the picture, and this guy posted it. He must be some kind of Packers defender. I don't know who yeah. he was. So he posted that, and then there was 92 comments. You can tell I spent some time in the bathroom today, Rick. I logged some time on Twitter. And uh, the, the all 90 comments after it were, if you look to the right of the picture – there's the Green Bay offensive lineman has a handful of face masks of right. the Russian Detroit yeah. players. So it's like, all right. Yeah. So even if you want to make that ridiculous argument that that pinky was worthy of essentially ending the game in and, favor and, and of the Green Bay And Packers. you're trying to tell me that at the speed of the NFL, right. that referee, saw umpire, that. whoever, saw the pinky. Right. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's simple as, as simple that, as that. Right? Yeah. I mean, these calls are ridiculous. And talk about ridiculous. Oh, all right. I think I have um, realized probably, at least in this month or this year, the stupidest person in the world. I like this self-reflection. And as 24-year-old Richard Perez of Ah. Strongsville, Ohio. Oh, okay. Another Rick. And you know who he is. Or maybe you don't. I don't believe I Should I know who he is? Well, yeah, because he had a little incident. This weekend. Was I involved? He went up to a car that had Miles um, Garrett in it. Oh, I did hear about And wanted to know if he'd get a picture taken. So, Miles Garrett, of course, you know, he rolls the window down saying, get a you know picture because they're in a traffic jam or something. Oh, okay. I forget what it was. I never did hear the details yeah. of the story. He, takes a, he sucker punches him and runs away. Well, he was smart to run away. I'll give well, him that. Yeah, but you know, and Miles Garrett, he just kind of. He called the police and they got his license number and you know they identified him and he's going to be arrested and punished hopefully. But you know what he wanted? He wanted Miles Garrett. He to wanted get him. Miles to pummel him. Sure, right, and exactly. Sue him. Yeah, yeah. These guys are an impossible. What spot. is it with this? And, and I hate to categorize people. You know, this generation. No, no, they suck. But they it suck. is. We talked about it last week. This entitlement, like I can do or say anything. Right. And okay, saying's one thing. But you can't do whatever you want. No, no. And ho- hopefully they throw the book at this guy because this is just nonsense. Because you know then if Miles had gotten a hold of him and pummeled him, what would the headline have been? You know, Miles Garrett beats up defenseless 24-year-old right. on the freeway. Yeah, and then over fourth, a picture or something yeah, like that. Fourth paragraph will say, well, yeah, the guy took a cheap shot at him. But Miles Garrett needs to know he's bigger and stronger and more high profile and, and he can't do these things. And then you have the clowns that'll come out. Well, you know, 
he makes millions of dollars, and that's what you signed up for. No, no he didn't. He didn't sign up to get steeled in the face in traffic for no reason. No, he did not sign up for no, that. No, exactly. Whatsoever. And I don't care if the Cleveland Browns were 0-76. No, it doesn't matter. You don't do that to a person. Simple as that. I mean, probably his punishment should be, all right. Now he gets to sucker punch you. You can go 30 days in jail, <laughs> or I'm going to lock you in this room with Miles for 30 seconds. <laughs> And we're going to turn the cameras off, and what'll be, will be. That's that's what <laughs> yeah. you you imagine what Miles Garrett would do to Mister Twenty Four Year Old Mister What was it Perez? Yeah, no, he he'd take the thirty days. I'm sure. <laughs> I probably would too. <laughs> Miles is a bad dude. Yes, he is. Hey, the only other thing I think I well, let's finish up this officiating thing. Here's the problem: Am I oversimplifying? For me, this is so simple. Get rid of the stupid red flags. Put Al River on in a canoe and push him out into the ocean and just let's forget he ever existed. This is real simple. Let these incompetent dopes do what they do on the field. But in every NFL stadium, you have another referee up in the booth, the eye in the sky. Of course. When you see something ridiculous, you know, they have about 40 seconds. You know, you see something ridiculous like he's hands in the face penalties. You hit a button. You're in the head head referee's right. ear and say, hey, stupid, that wasn't even close. Pick that flag up. And the guy, no flag, move right. on. None of this pass right. interference, instant replay. Bzz, hey, stupid, that Green Bay cornerback just tackled Kenny Galladay four seconds before the ball got there. That's pass interference. No discussion, no worried right. about who looks bad or looks good. Bzz, hey, stupid. And that, that, that solves it all. Right. Hey, stupid. It, it, it's so simple. And things are still going to get missed. Plays are going to get run before. But, but it, you know my what? thought is it should if be that it gets obvious. Missed. If it gets missed, say like um, a, a right tackle flinches and it gets missed, so be it. That's a little bit of human error. That's not right. a big deal. But these plays that win and lose games – Right. Have to be managed somehow. Yeah, and I mean, the argument against this is always, oh, more replay, it's going to slow the games down more. And I'm sensitive to that because I spend as much time complaining about just this endless, every single play has to, you know, I hate the every score and play, the every turnover, yeah. the under two. I hate that because there's no good moments anymore, you tell right? Me, you tell me why, and granted it doesn't take long to confirm it, but however, you tell me why... Delvin Cook breaks through the line of scrimmage and runs 35 yards for a touchdown. Why it needs to be reviewed. Right. <laughs> and, well, and the thing is, it takes away – this sounds Pollyanna-ish. I get that. It takes away from kind of the electricity yeah. and the excitement of a last-minute you know, a last minute play, a last-minute touchdown, where instead of flooding out on the field and celebrating and having that moment and the fans just cheering, it's, hold on, we got to go to the booth, wait for seven minutes, now we celebrate. So I, yeah. I, don't, I don't need all that nonsense. And I, I tell you, there, there's so much wrong with, with the NFL right now and I've got then there's people on one of our local stations on here on the local sports station they need to eliminate the kickoff period you know just give it give it to them on the 20 yard line well number one that eliminates the onside kick number two it eliminates a squib kick in bad weather right um and, and it, it, it eliminates the the uh, 
what you call it, the the miracle, the what, music city, music miracle, city. Yeah, I couldn't think of it. Yeah, I couldn't think of what I was saying. The mu- all I can think of is the music city bowl, the music city you miracle. Have said that. That's it, a good bowl. Yeah, it was. It's but, probably, what is it called? The, like the, I don't have any idea why. You know, and they talk about player safety. Hey, this this is insanity. I mean, I never know. Is there is there proven facts that X amount percentages of concussions come from kickoffs? I don't know. Probably, but I don't. I've never remember As opposed reading to it. Punts. Yeah. And, well, I mean, you know my stance on punt returns, though. I've made well that because clear of on the, the officiating, right? Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, for those of you who are new listeners, what I propose when I be take over the NFL and Al Riveron's job, I'm eliminating the punt return. They're, every punter is going to kick against an 11-man rush. Wherever the ball lands and stops moving, we're going to move it back half the distance to the goal, and the offense is going to start there because that's what happens on every freaking punt anyhow because they're going to call something on it. And the blind side blocks. That's that's craziness. Craziness. It is. It's insane. You know what? There needs to be some room for I know it when I see it. Like that time, I can't remember the name of the poor Bengals linebacker who Hines Ward nearly decapitated. All right. Call that just unnecessary roughness. All right. right. But to say this every time and we're worried about the angle of a blocker's shoulders and, you know, when we're running sweeps, we're doing things to the outside. They're calling that iffy stuff. It's Look, crazy. those real I get the blindside block and getting that out of the game because that, that is a recipe for a concussion. But again, it's you create all these rules, just like with this pass interference nonsense. They keep creating rules to overcome this stuff. Just put the eye in the sky. I know it when I see it. Bzz, hey, stupid. We could have eliminated yeah. all this nonsense in New Orleans in the NFC Championship game if someone just had the authority to say, hey, moron, what, what are you looking at here? It's a contact here? game, too. Things well, that's right. happen. Yeah, and, and you know what you signed up for. And yeah. I hate saying that. It sounds I mean, insensitive. Crack ba- a crackback block, right. I, can, I can see. Yeah. But just because the man doesn't see you coming, yeah. Well, you, that's the other thing. And we're you seeing, can make right? a play on a on a back. Why shouldn't someone be able to block you if his head's in front of you? You know, you're not hitting from behind, even if it's from the side. I can't help it. He's focused on the ball right. run and doesn't see you coming. You know what? And that's an excellent point. That's where it's getting called. Not necessarily in where it, you know it was supposed to be. You're not able to block if you're facing towards your own goal line. To a degree, that makes sense. But now they're talking about, you know, if your front foot's pointed towards a goal line. On a Tuesday, yeah, Yeah. I know. It's terrible. But, yeah, they're calling it just based on the fact, and I've seen this several times, that the defender doesn't see it coming. Well, no, if your head's not up, if that's a parallel or coming, because you've seen it even, they're heading the right direction, yeah. and they're not looking and they're calling for That's nonsense. It's you, crazy. You've got to have your head up. You know, that's someplace you know, hockey gets it right where you know they, they got a lot of rules, and they've taken a lot of steps to take these head hits out of the game. But if you go down there with your head down, you're going to get blowed up in the league. Yeah. Isn't going to bail you out. This is something you learn in junior hockey. You got to have your head up and see your surroundings in a contact sport, or you're going to get hurt, and we right. can't protect you. You have some or duty it, to protect yourself. Or if it's blatant, you happen to get spun around, or whatever the case may be, like in hockey, and you happen to have your head down, and a guy drives you yeah. into the wall, you're out. They're going to send you out. Yeah, that's that's a that's a at least a four minute double minor for boarding. I mean, they take care of things. Right. You know, and there's almost self-governing too. Well, yeah. You, you don't see, you don't see the the players in the NHL, and 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 the NHL gets maligned for being the the redheaded stepchild of the Big Four. 
But I'll tell you what. On many, many things, they got it way better right. than, the, than the other sports. Well, you know what they'll do that the other sports won't do? If it gets to mid-December and something isn't working, Gary Bettman, in a, over a chorus of booze, will stand up in front of everybody and say, you know what, this isn't working. This yeah. is stupid. Here's the new rule starting today. Not starting next year, not starting after a vote of the Board of Governors. Here's the new rule starting today. NHL and NASCAR will do that too. Right. Things are getting out of hand if competitive balance gets out of whack. And I haven't watched NASCAR in probably ten years, but I used to be really into it years ago. If somebody gets some, you know, aerodynamic package set up or something that nobody else could compete with, they would stand up and say, All right, the rules are changing now because yeah. we got hundreds of thousands of tickets to sell the rest of the year. We're not doing this. It, nobody right. else the arrogance of the NFL. To say, well, to fix that, we'll just make another rule. We won't enforce it like this pass interference replay. Or we'll pervert it into something that right. pisses everybody off. Yeah, it's just, it, it's so easily fit. But it is seriously coming all the way back to the original point. It's taking away the enjoyment of the game to where I'm watching NLCS Game 3 over Monday Night Football. That says a lot to me. Exactly. All right. Well, let's get into it, Rick. That took way There's not much to get into anymore. We're we're getting wore out from yeah. complaining. Well, but. that's why we're going to jump right to... Uh, game ball goes to... Game ball stinky socks. Rick, I will let you start this show. Well, should I be positive or negative? You know what? You stink. Well, the bad mood carries over segments, <laughs> I see. Yes, it does. I have to give a stinky sock to the Bungle offensive coordinator. Uh, the Cincinnati, you you allow Tyler Eifert to be targeted two times against the Baltimore Ravens. You have been waiting for this guy to finally be healthy. And he's yet to surpass 30 yards receiving in any game. <laughs> okay? I mean, it's criminal. And all the offensive coaches receive a balled-up pair of socks stuffed with moldy cottage cheese, oh. soaked in rotten milk, and goat urine. Goat urine. How do we extract the goat urine? That's your job. (laughs) (laughs) And you know the shame of it, too. This applies to Joe Mixon as well. Look, I get that offensive line is an abomination, so he's not going to be able to run the ball. Why does Joe Mixon not average 10 catches a week? Why? You can't get a running game going, make that your running game. If you're not going to use Eifert as a receiver and you need him to block, why don't you have Mixon and Bernard and two back sets right, and throw out in the flat somewhere to spread it out a little bit. There is no reason. They say not targets. I I read somewhere not targets. The goal for Joe Mixon is six pass patterns a game. No, no. He should have six pass patterns per drive. You cannot run the football. Everybody knows you cannot run the football. So, hey, stupid, don't even (laughs) try to run the football. Get Joe Mixon out in space somewhere. To your point, throw Gio Bernard out there with him in the slot, pulling a linebacker out, creating some type of space. When Joe Mixon gets the football in his hand and has room to take a first step, he will make things happen. You might get positive yards, which perhaps, based upon the stinky socks that Rick Briggs gave you you don't understand is the goal of the game and of the offense it's, it's so maddening look i i fully understand why they can't run i get it i don't blame right. joe mixon no you know, i don't even necessarily He's blame a dynamic the coaching player staff. right but you have to find when you got a guy a cat of that skill set you've got that ball's got to be in it's the fact that he doesn't have 14 targets a game is a fireable offense in my opinion hey, you know put some put this into perspective joe mixon is um 
in in PPR PPR scoring is behind Royce Freeman. Yeah, that right can't now. happen. He's behind Chris Thompson, who has a sore toe. He's behind Miles Sanders, who we talked about a couple weeks ago. Is hardly viable. He did have a good game this past well, week. And look what Philadelphia did. They quit slamming him into a bad offensive right. line. And what did he have? Six, eight catches? I can't remember Whenever what he it had last touchdown. year. Right. Game yeah. in re- I think in it was reception. like six for 76 yeah. and a touchdown. What they did is he took your big back in Jordan Howard and let him slam into the offensive line who can't move anybody and got Miles Sanders out in pass patterns and he had a nice game. Right. Exactly. Your turn. All right. Well, we've been way too negative, Rick. I disagree. So I'm going to give a game ball, Rick. It's kind of in the same vein of just what you brought up. Now, this is a guy I have crushed, and everything I've said to this point still stands, and he's going to screw it up again. But for one week, I'm going to give Steelers offensive coordinator Randy Feekner a game ball. That was the perfect game plan against that defense with whatever a Duck Hodges is at quarterback and utilizing the talent and the skill you have in the offensive line and at the running back position in the absence of Jalen Samuels and the absence of, of James Washington, missing a lot of key guys. I've crushed him. He does absurd things that, that boggle the mind, but for one week he put together the perfect game yeah, plan. Yeah, So i got to give him credit. I'm going to give a game ball to Randy Feekner. And, and well-deserved, no doubt about that. I guess since you're being positive. Game ball goes to. Here's a guy here who's, who doesn't get talked about a lot and actually is, is kind of maligned, but, you know, Matt Ryan, he's quietly been forgotten on this defenseless team. He had – 30 for 36, 356 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Moreover, he has thrown over 300 yards in every game this year. I'm giving him a game ball. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Matt Ryan, uh, if nothing else, has been playing some pretty good football. Yeah, and we, we don't talk enough about it is that team's just been so bad. They're in one of those years, right? We, we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Inexplicably, with the same players and the same talent, They'll just have a 4-12 and 12 year, and it looks like that's what's happening with, with Atlanta here. But Matt Ryan keeps getting it done. The emergence of – my mind just went blank. My mind just went blank. Austin Hooper. Okay. I wanted to call him, I wanted, <laughs> no idea what I wanted to call about. him Amari Cooper, right. just tongue-tied, and then you know how I yeah, get Yeah, Austin one. Hooper. Yeah, exactly. And just, the offense Sanu, is getting it done. You yeah. know, Ridley, and of Julio, course Julio. Still doing Julio Freeman's thing. starting to pick it up a little bit. And, you know, you look at, in fantasy scoring, he's behind only basically the four most dynamic quarterbacks in football right now, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and you That's got, it. You got him for a song late in your draft. Right. All right, time. That's better. All right, Rick. Now, remember, socks come in pairs, right? True. So, traditionally, we give away a stinky sock. I'm giving out a pair of stinky socks here to teammates to share. They okay. can do whatever they want. Jameis Winston's the easy one, right? Okay. 400 pass yards. A touchdown, five picks, and a fumble loss. That's not good. I wish someday <laughs> scientists can explain to me the enigma that Jameis Winston is. When he is good, he is so good, you think he could be that next guy. When he's bad, he doesn't have middle-of-the-road games. When he's bad, he's so bad. Yeah. Everybody's been talking about that. We don't got to cover that. The other side, the left-hand sock of this pair, has got to go to his boy Mike Evans. Now, 9 for 96. That's a pretty good game. 
drops a wide open, bobbles yeah. it down the field. It looked like something out of a Disney movie, you know, when the the uh, underdog team's coming back <laughs> and stuff like that starts happening. That last pick towards the end of the game where Mike Evans turns the wrong direction, there were times, even in a game where he had nine catches, where he looked completely lost. It, it, it's kind of been like this all year. Is he disinterested? Is he upset of the emergence of Chris Godwin. I don't know what's going on with Mike Evans, but even when it's good, it's kind of bad. You know, it's like marriage. Even when it's good, it's still kind of bad. You know what I mean? It's so I'm even with that big stat line, big stinky sock, I think Mike Evans more than Jameis Winston led to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing that game over in London. Yeah, I agree. That's uh game ball goes to I'm staying positive, buddy. I was glad to see Hunter Henry come back. Yeah. Eight catches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. And as pathetic as the Chargers were that game, this could be something of a start where that now they really have to start paying attention to that tight end position. Well, we know you're going back to Antonio Gates. Right. That's what the QB loves. That's what Phil Rivers counts on. That's but what that it offense takes a certain player. Right. It, it's like yeah, Virgil Green wasn't that guy. All right. <laughs> Virgil Green gonna... wasn't the guy. You know, <laughs> and we talked about Jimmy Graham when he left New Orleans. You know, why did he work in New Orleans? He was basically irrelevant the first couple of years in Seattle, picked it up a little bit. Right. He's in Green Bay. He's irrelevant again. Nobody in New Orleans is relevant. It's somehow that's it's chemistry that, that builds connection. up. Absolutely, it, Gronk. Na- na- yeah. Name a, a viable tight end in New England. Yeah, other than Aaron Hernandez, and they well, were doing it together. Right, and there was all the murder and well, stuff. Yeah, that, but, that, yeah, we don't want to talk about. But yeah, that, there but. hasn't been another one, and it, it's the discussion every summer or every season when right. Gronk would get hurt or this summer. Well, whoever that tight end's going to be. Load up on him? No, it's no. wrong. It's, exactly. Yeah, why? It's a good point. Why? And I'm talking to the people out there. Why do you think Dallas brought back Jason Witten? It's right. That was the missing it's piece not because in that he's offense. 25 and a super stud, <laughs> right? You know, young hunk of a guy here. I mean, this is the guy basically over the hill, but he still gets he, when the ball's there. He He's ready for it. He's going to yeah. catch it. And when Dak needs an open guy, he's the it's guy. comfort level for that quarterback. Exactly. And certain guys have it. I'm with you. All right. Game ball goes to. All right. This is a game ball, a stinky sock masked in a game ball rig. I'm doing all kind of wackiness <laughs> wow. here today. All Do right. we need a, a new sound effect or what? Perhaps. <laughs> so the game ball, I'm going to give it to Curtis Samuel, Rick. Hell Yeah. Four catches, 70 yards and a touchdown, and a rushing touchdown. Right. Now, you're going to say, Rick, that's a pretty good game, but there are so many guys that put up so much bigger numbers. Why? That's so I can do this. So I can give a stinky sock to all of you charlatan, lying, no-good fantasy analysts on my Twitter feed who predicted all summer and all preseason that Curtis Samuel was going to make Jerry Rice look like 
Dante Moncrief this year, and when he hasn't done it, now Curtis Samuel goes up and catches four for 70 and a touchdown, spent two days taking victory laps all over Twitter saying, see, I told you, yeah. see, I told you. fools, shut up. The one place you were told, temper your expectations, there will be good games, but they cannot support one, let alone two breakout stud-wide receivers, and Carolina was right here. And now I got to watch you. I kept my mouth shut, and we just did it. And then for two days, I had to watch you ass clowns take victory laps over four freaking catches just because he got in the end zone. Look, I like Curtis Samuel. I hope he becomes that guy. He looks like he has the skill set to become that guy. But get back to the theme so far this season. Just shut up. You don't get a victory lap on four for 70 and a touch because he threw in a rushing touch. And this is nonsense. All you can zip it. I've had it. I, I hate it. I don't know why that bugs me, Rick, but it does. You, you've been wrong for a month and a half, and then it, you're kind of right once, and now you're taking a victory lap and thumping your chest all over the place. I hate that stuff. Hell yeah. I'm <laughs> wound up today, Rick. Okay, one more. Sure, yeah, let's get out of here before I run everybody off. Yeah, that's okay. You know what? Shredded again for 442 yards, 34 points. In fact, their negative one fantasy points was better than the last two weeks of <laughs> minus two. That's not good. The Atlanta defense has oh. amassed through six games a total of seven fantasy points. With Total. a defensive head coach, this is what I can't understand. Their best week was nine points against Philadelphia in the only win of the season, and they have a grand total of seven points. They had nine in one game. <laughs> Stinky sock. Yeah, I think they deserve it. Hey, one thing for we'll pick tonight's game and then we'll get oh, out of right, here. Oh, that's right, yes. But I did want to bring up, I meant to bring it up when you are talking about Hunter Henry. Do you think, does this sound stupid, Rick? I was watching... Obviously, being being a Steeler fan, I was paying attention to the Sunday night game, unlike the Monday, and seeing just how pathetic that offense really was outside of Hunter Henry. I kind of walked away with the feeling that Melvin Gordon coming back kind of upset the balance of that thing, that what they were doing with Austin Eckler and what he was providing in the passing game, it just it seemed like they were trying to force things into, I think, would Gordon have three or four catches? So he was out in pass patterns. You rarely saw Eckler. I'm kind of feeling like Melvin Gordon coming back actually upset the balance of that offense. You go through the whole summer workout, the whole program, four or five games with this scheme, with a running back with the likes of Austin Eckler, you bring in a traditional running back. It doesn't seem like they were prepared for that yet. No, I don't think they were. And, and you also had, we mentioned it um, last week, you know, the Steeler defense is really tough on wideouts. Right, yeah. So who – who torched him? Hunter Henry. Yeah, and it should have been Eckler. And but Eckler, yeah, but I had him as a start, but and he wasn't on the field. Exactly. But Melvin Gordon, you're right. They couldn't get the run game going, and for whatever reason, he's just not Eckler right now. Going out in the pass patterns and, and utilizing him that way. So yeah, you're right. It could be that a they're either upset. Gordon's not in game shape, or he doesn't know the offense. Right, whatever. To, I don't know, but something's out of whack. But you would think in a game of that magnitude, 
if he's not knowing the plays or whatever on his routes, you would think, okay, you know, better hit the yeah. bench and, and read the book, and we'll put Eckler back yeah, in. I just, so I don't know what the problem was. It just it seemed to me when that offense was going well, and they, they've had their ups and downs this season, but when things were going well, Austin Eckler was a big part of it. And now Melvin Gordon comes back, and look, by talent, you know, by the metrics, Melvin Gordon is much be- the much better player and probably should be on the field. But, I mean, it's one week of results. That Steeler defense played out of their mind. You know, you got to give them a nod for that. But just it didn't look right a- at all. And it just that's the only thing really I felt like changed, right? You got Hunter Henry back. He made big plays. You know, Keenan Allen got shut down. We kind of talked about that. I don't think I, I didn't predict he'd get shut down to that extent, but I did right. think he was going to struggle a little bit. But Melvin Gordon seems to be the one fly in the ointment. The one thing I can look at and say when that offense was good, it was Austin Eckler. When that offense has been bad, it's Melvin Gordon. You're Might right. be dumb to say. You know, could look stupid after this week, but just something I noticed. All right, let's get into it, Rick, here in just an hour or two. Thursday night football, the Chiefs laying three at Denver. Laying three. That, that's a weird line for that game. Well, they're in Denver. Denver has been playing some really tight defense the last couple of weeks. And I'm not so sure that <clears> – I, I don't know what to make of Denver. Um I had them in third place in that division in our, you know, prediction show way back whenever it was, August. But, I, you know, we thought they were going to be a pretty tough out. And it's, it's bearing out to be true. They're two and four. I think I had them at, like, whatever, seven and nine, something of that ilk. And I think that's about what they are with Joe Flacco. But that defense is there again. Kansas City's got to get it rolling, right? Yeah. And either Mahomes – that ankle is going to be okay, or they're going to be struggling like they have the last couple of weeks because their defense isn't going to bail them out. I still have faith in Kansas City. I'm going Kansas City 27, Denver 20. Yeah, I didn't even have this game close in my head. And then this line, this is what Vegas does to you. It, it got me thinking a little bit. Now, you can't throw them away, and trends are very important. But let's just say Kansas City had won one of these last two games and you got this line. How quick would you have run to the betting window to lay that three with Kansas City? Right. Look, he, Sammy Watkins is out. Patrick Mahomes clearly isn't right. But at the end of the day, this is still, let's say, 85% of Patrick Mahomes versus 100% of Joe Flacco. This just feels – it's – just not enough. It's just – I think Kansas City gets – Kansas City can't and won't lose three football games in a row. If Kansas City wins, it isn't going to be by a field goal. I think they, they kind of run away with this thing. I think they maybe get a big lead, kind of hold on and just grind them out. I got the Chiefs here big 31-16. So, easy cover for me. Okay. Can we go home or go watch this game, I guess? That's what – well, I'm going home and I'm going to watch the game. All right. I'm going to stay in the studio and watch the game. I okay. think I'm no good at home. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. A little, little angry today. So uh, that's sorry. how I like it. Yeah, that's kind of what we do. So hey, we'll be back tomorrow night. Asylumfootball at gmail.com at asylumfootball on Twitter. If you want to be part of the mailbag, we will get to those uh, back next Thursday live and in studio. Till then, good luck this week. We'll see you. Take care. <laughs>